Good morning out there in Radio Land. This is the day that the Lord has made. This is the day that anything is possible because we serve a God of the impossible. It is July 24th, 2023. And this is the only July 24th, 2023 that you will ever have in your life. Lord willing, you'll have a July 24th, 2025, 24, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, I don't know, until he wants to come back. And um, But today is the only July 24th, 2023 that you'll ever have. So let's make the most of it to glorify Christ in all things, whether it be word or deed. Let us glorify God. Let us glorify Christ. Amen. Well, it's Monday morning, so we have Miss Gretchen and Brother Jason. How are you all doing? I'm doing well. Doing well. Yep, doing great. Happy to be here. Mm-hmm. Jason's got his nice little cub hats on. <laughs> yeah. Um, we were uh, praying over school Saturday night, and we were just praying, and uh, me and Joe were looking around and looking at the books upstairs, and I'm still yet to per. I'm I'm still trying to figure out how the Cubs fans book applies to academics. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody gave me that. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. We said maybe it's history. Uh, there's not many there left. Is a lot so. of history. <laughs> History of futility. <laughs> a lot of disappointment in that book, yeah. isn't there? <laughs> there is. <laughs> That's all right. The disappointment, the disappointment made the World Series even that much better. It was nice, yeah. Yeah. It's the only time I've ever seen Jason cry. Once every 100 years is, you know. It's, um, you know, it's everything else in life. Um, you know, he, he just walks right through. But whenever the Cubs won, won the series. <laughs> There was some tears shed that day. I did. I did shed a few tears. <laughs> and so, but no, it's it was a great time of prayer for Bethel Christian Academy, and um, just continue to pray for that in the upcoming school year. And I think the high school is pretty much full, but we do have room in the younger classroom, seventh grade and under. And so, if you have children in that age, especially, um, if you want to call the office tomorrow through Friday. Then it'll be 270-257-8330. And, of course, you can get more information concerning the Bethel Christian Academy. We are um, living with a conviction to not just give them an academic um, overview or teach them academics, but teach them academics from a biblical worldview. We want everything that we do to come from a biblical worldview. Amen. And um, it's a conviction for us. And so if you want more information, please don't hesitate to get um, call the office again. That'd be Tuesday through Friday at um, what time does Miss Jerry get there during the summers? Uh, eight o'clock. Eight o'clock. Yeah. And so we're starting at eight o'clock. You can call the school again. Seventh grade and under. I know we have spots in, and so we'll be happy to get you more information and ever all everything that would be pertaining to that. And um, we just have a conviction for Christian education, and we're so thankful and blessed to have Bethel Christian Academy here and. Of course, the Box 2 Radio and BCA work close together, and we are very blessed for that. Amen. Well, we also have Man Up coming up right uh, this week, Thursday afternoon or Thursday evening. We'll start at 6 o'clock. The plan, the Lord willing, is to be back at the lake, and um, so you'll be able to bring your sons, your fishing poles. Um, you can drive your truck back there, or I'll have the trailer ready for to haul people back there with the trailer and tractor. That's that once a ride you can park up at the church, and I'll have somebody kind of make a few trips back and forth. And it's a beautiful, beautiful spot back there. Um, we'll try to have a couple of cornhole things. I'm gonna have a grill out there, making some hamburgers and a little bonfire, a little hot dogs, s'mores, whatever that looks like. We're just excited for it. And then of course we'll have a song or two, and then Todd Mingus will be given a um, lakeside testimony, which is going to be great. And so 
bring your lawn chairs. That's well, probably go out in a boat. Um, that's a really <laughs> good idea. A couple of, you know. Yeah, that's a really and, good and idea. Jesus did. I think so. Um, in the boat. I think that ways. I think that would be phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I have a boat like that that he could do in. Um, but we could try we get to one of those that. kayaks that you know are flat. You stand up on. Yeah, um, <laughs> we could like um, those ain't the kayaks. Ones they're not really the a one, kayak. I don't know what, what they're are they called. called. I don't know. It's like some kind of board. It's, they're called uh, dangerous, is what they're called. <laughs> I don't see how anybody can no, do that. Really, it's like the stand on paddle yeah. boards. I would try it. I would do it. I would give it a good shot. Um, as long as there's not sharks under my feet, I think I would do it. Yeah. Um, I think in our pond, you're probably pretty safe. I don't think we have any sharks. Um, I'm not confirmed that, but I'm pretty sure. I'm about 99.99% sure. Turtles, <laughs> you know, I've never seen a turtle down there. Really? Every time I've mowed, every they're time I've been there. They're all in my pond. They're all in Mr. Gretchen's <laughs> pond. Hmm. I, although I haven't seen any this year. You know, one time we uh, there was a big billboard. I think it was in Owensboro we saw it. And it had it had the sign that said, if you want to hear from God, come here, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I think he was having was it a cruise. Todd Mingus? No, it was, I don't think it was Todd Mingus. But uh, it was, uh, <laughs> he was going to have a big crusade in Owensboro. <laughs> oh, if you want to hear from God, come here, Todd. How about that? And no, then, I guess it applies. Well, um <laughs> I don't know about hearing from God, but I am excited <laughs> for our guest today, uh, Miss uh, Miss Doctor Grady Murtry is on today. Jason really. Oh yeah, that's he's exciting. Gonna, I'm gonna let Jason handle that interview. He's a science. Jason's a science <laughs> geek. Y'all don't know that, but yeah. he is. He, he geeks out on science. If you couldn't tell when he answered his dinosaur that that that, that question one day, yeah. And me and Miss Gretchen just looked at him. Pretty impressed. Uh, <laughs> it was it was an um, it was an impressive feat the way you answered that question. So. We will have Dr. Grady McMurtry on. He is a, literally a world-class um, creation scientist, one of the leading ones in that. And so it's always an honor and privilege to have him on. He'll be on at 830. A um, couple of good guests is coming up this week. Uh, you know, uh, Philip Trent, Brother Philip Trent from Highsville is going to be on with us, I think, Thursday morning for a while. Very excited for that. Hannah's not with us this week. She's on vacation. And so um, pray for them, have a good time, and um, safe travels. We have, uh, this time of year, there's always a lot of people on vacation. Mm -hmm. um, you never know how many people you're going to have out at church or <laughs> out throughout the week this time of the year. And um, Jason just runs everywhere. He goes to Cubs games, Cincy game <laughs> games, everywhere. No, I didn't go to a Cubs game. I wish, but. Yeah, that, that would have been. We went to a Reds game. They that would have been Giants. better than a Reds game, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. So <laughs> Levi took me. Uh, Wednesday night, and uh, we had yep. really, really good seats. Uh, so. um, Patrick did a great job with youth that night, Patrick mm -hmm. and Erica. They fix what they call funeral food, um, and it's not because it's going to put you in a funeral. <laughs> it's the food that their kids call funeral food. So it's like whenever somebody passes away and you bring somebody food, you always bring them a big portion of it so they can eat on it for a few days or something. And so their kids call it, are we having funeral food today? And it's basically a pasta, pasta mix. And so said, so I like that. That's pretty clever. Um, but no, don't forget, again, this Thursday, 6 o'clock, man up, bring your sons. And then, of course, VBS coming up for us, this not this week, but next week, um, August 3rd, 4th, and 5th. The 3rd and the 4th, we will begin at 6 o'clock. And you'll be ready to pick up your kids, I think, at 830 and then that Sunday, that Saturday, we will begin at 10 and go through 4. 
and um, we'll have our water slide, our 100-foot-long obstacle course. That's going to be an amazing thing, 100-foot-long. Really? It's huge. Some We had an anonymous, anonymous donor donate the money for that, uh, and they wanted to be kept secret, so we honor that. But it's 100-foot-long. I think there's like um, two different water slides on this one thing. It's huge, massive. And so um, at 2 o'clock, all the kids won't be kicked off, and adults get to play. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but we are excited. We'll have a cookout, and um, the church is invited to that. And so we're just excited for all that God's doing, has done, and is about to do. We had a powerful service yesterday, um, just her testimony after testimony of God's goodness and God's faithfulness and all that he did in life, setting people free and liberating them from their chains. And um, had a lot of people text me about just being free from anxiety or even come up to me after service and and depression and how the enemy wants to have such a hold on that generation today and um, depression and anxiety is something that wants to grip themselves onto the people of God because they want to steal a joy because the joy of the Lord is your strength and um, we've got to be on guard and be protective of the joy that Jesus has paid for and also the peace um, we don't want to lose peace and um, we want we want both joy and peace should be things that mark believers. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. Amen. And um, let's see here. I think that's got it for about announcements. Do you have any any more announcements I'm missing? You know, we forgot to announce uh, yesterday our our youth thing at uh, Doe Valley. Yeah, that's coming up this Saturday. Mm-hmm. That'd be exciting. Yeah, I've, I realized that yeah. that, was, that was my fault. I told you which announcements to do and. <laughs> didn't do that one well um, i didn't think about it till um i was looking through my planner for the week you know the last night and i was like oh my gosh we forgot to announce that so yeah it's gonna be a good good yeah, day it'll be fun um we do that every year bethel does and miss katie is just great in getting us over there and um last year was a lot of fun um usually you can, we somehow ends up with a couple kayaks and they uh-huh. they have everything over there and so it's a awesome thing and um it's beautiful over there for sure and so we're uh, just excited. I mean, we're excited for all that God is doing. Seriously, we say that a lot, but we, we mean that from the bottom of our hearts. God's moving in big ways, and um, we're just excited to see what God's doing and what he's about to do. Don't forget the Harvest Crusade as well. We want to, we want you to be putting this in your calendar t- September 10th, 11th, and 12th. Brother Lance Johnson is going to be here um, ministering those three nights with the team and believing God for souls and more souls. Also, for those who say, I don't know who Brother Lance Johnson is, well, on August the 6th, he's going to be at Madrid Pentecostal that evening, and then that morning, he's going to be here at Bethel Fellowship. He's going to be preaching this mor- that morning, um, and um, he's, a, he's a great preacher, a great man of God, and we're just um, we're excited and honored to have him that day. So August the 6th, he'll be here that Sunday morning ministering, and it's going to be a great time in the presence of God. And um, that time, I this time I think, I think we are done with announcements this time. That's all I can think of. <laughs> Woo! Excuse me. You all mentioned a, a movie or something that. Oh, uh, that. Uh, yeah, we are going to try to stream um, "Come Out in Jesus' Name" here August the eighteenth. August the eighteenth, um, and Jacob and Joe will get me more details on time and everything. We just know August the eighteenth on that, and so. Alrighty, we are in John chapter thirteen. I think we're moving through. I think we're we're gonna we're gonna get there sooner or later. Um, let me make sure we didn't finish that the other day. Sometimes from 
sometimes from the Thursday to Monday gap, you have to make sure. Um, all right, yeah, we have finished it. So we're in John chapter 14. That's actually what I was thinking because Peter just um, got told by Jesus that you will deny me three times before the cock crows. And so that's where we find ourselves in John chapter 14. And we started to deal with the Father's house and the rooms. And um, he's coming to make a place for you. And we dealt with all the way to verse, um, probably, we're going to start again in verse 5 for context sake, since it's always a few days since we left loft, left off. So John chapter 14, verse 5. Um, actually, no, we did. <laughs> this gets confusing on Monday. And I have it written down somewhere and. I don't remember which paper I put it on, where we had it. Because I was trying to do better on making sure that I don't have to find it on the next day. And I had it written down. And um, we are in John chapter 14, verse 15. That's where we're at. I promise this time. We're here. If you love me, John chapter 14, verse 15, you will keep my commandments. So I love that, you know, Jesus is starting to look at him now because he just talked about sending the, sending the Holy Spirit. Um, whatever you ask in my name, this will I do, that my Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And then he goes on to say, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So, um, you know, if you love me, guys, he's talking to disciples. You will do what I ask you to do. You will do what I commanded you to do. You will do exactly what I requested you to do. And it's he, he's basically saying you're not you're not earning my love, but... You know, if if you love somebody, you want to honor them. Yeah. And for me, I, I perceive what he's doing here is not saying he's not trying to make this about works. He's trying to say, you know, if you really love me, you'll honor what I teach you and honor the commandments I give you. And you will honor that which I have set out before you, because at the end of the day, his his law is not burdensome. It's actually supposed to be liberating. And now um, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees made it burdensome because they added things to it. But. The way he tells us to live is probably the best, most profitable way to live. Even if you, even if you took his diet that he gave us in the Old Testament, if we ate according to that diet, it's actually a pretty healthy diet. Arguably, probably the most healthy diet. So yeah, I'm sure it is, because um, the Lord kind of knows how our body's supposed to work. So, um, what what do you think on that verse? Um, I mean, I think it's just a natural outflowing. You know, like you said, if you have love for someone, whether, you know, whoever it may be, you're going to do what you can to show them honor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's, that is ag- agape love. And so, um, you know, I think that he's just making that, just reminding them of that, you know, that there's really I mean, nothing more complex about it than that. He's just saying, you know, you know, if you really say you love me, then you're going to, you're going to honor me by doing what I ask you to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Miss Gretchen, you have anything on that one before we move? I like it when he just said my commandments. Yeah. Of course, I know that. I thought of that. You know, um, you know, Jesus is God. What God gave is, <laughs> and you know, but uh, um, oh, I just lost my train of thought. Um, well, I thought of that when you said um, you're talking about the Pharisees and add, adding all the different things yeah. to the law. Yeah, yeah, that he's not talking about that. He didn't, he didn't say keep mm-hmm. their commandments. He said my commandments. Mm-hmm. And and I'm sure if you if you go back and what he gave Moses, you know, even just like the Ten Commandments, and then further on, you know, just different ones that attribute to our you know good health and you know and just uh, getting along with others and what have you, you know, 
uh, it'll be profitable to us. Yeah. It's not going to hurt us. <laughs> yeah. And Jesus is here. I mean, he's covering this quite hard right here is how he's the son of God and how, um, you know, if you go back, if you ask anything in my name, I will um, do it. And then mm-hmm. he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And then Jesus says in verse 16, and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper. Who's that? The spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit to be with you forever. Mm-hmm. And so he's saying, and I will ask the Father, as you love me and as you keep my commandments, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. I don't think it's a coincidence that he puts this right below that because personally, even though if we love him, we keep his commandments, we cannot keep his commandments absent of the Spirit of Christ helping us. We've got to have the Holy Spirit living in us to help us and empower us and engage us to... Um, be able to even keep his commandments. Um, we have to have a reliance on him. And he's saying, I will give you that helper. Because um, as we see throughout the scripture, we struggle to keep his commandments. Um, we love him. We want to. We we do it. But I love that he follows it up and he's telling them, like, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father. Like he said, I'm going to ask the Father on your all's behalf. And he will give you another helper. Will help you to what? Help you to keep his commandments. Help you to keep his word. Help help you to keep his, um, what what he his will being done, and the Holy Spirit is there to conform us into the image of the Son, and that comes by helping us with sanctification, revealing truth, teaching, discerning, giving us gifts. Um, all of these things are the things the Holy the Holy Spirit is doing, and He is there to be a helper, like the Holy Spirit is there to help us. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just love that he put that in there right after. The ESV that. says helper. Yeah, what's King James say? Comforter. Comforter. Yeah. Um, most of the time, I've read in translations that helper is probably in the better, uh, more accurate Greek translation. But um, I'm probably I don't want to get in trouble for saying that too much. But um, but comforter. Yeah. I'm, Strong's also says advocate. Yeah, that's, 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 that's what good. Was. Yep. An intercessor, consoler, advocate, comforter. Mm-hmm. So. Which um, basically all means helper. Yeah. Um, they're all the same word. Um, what's the actual Greek word? Can you? Parakletos. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was thinking that was going to uh-huh. be that one. Um, <clears throat> and even the spirit of truth, again, another. Uh, that's the way I'm, my, how I would pronounce it. but. <laughs> I'd, when I'm looking at the pronunciation, I think that's here. right. <laughs> that's how I've heard it pronounced. So I uh-huh. think you did a pretty good job Fair of scratching. Off. There's a lay Paracalesis. <laughs> um, yeah, but he he's there to be our advocate. He's there to be our helper. He's there to be our comforter. He's there to walk alongside of us. Um, and and then he goes on. Even the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him or knows him. You will know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So now he's telling him this Holy Spirit, that's not just going to be an advocate, helper, comforter to you. He's actually the spirit of truth. And the world's having a hard time seeing him because they either, they, uh, I'm sorry, they're having a hard time receiving him because they don't see him and they don't know him. Why don't they know him? Because they don't know Christ, because they are blinded by their sin, blinded by darkness, blinded by that veil that Paul teaches us about in Corinthians later on, or is it Romans? Is it Romans or Corinthians? I think it's Romans. Um, and then he says, you know him. So now he turns to the disciples. 
And this is actually a peculiar scripture. Because if you think about it, he's telling them, you know this spirit of truth. You know this Holy Spirit comforter. Well, we don't really see John, till John 20, um, Jesus blown on them saying, receive you the Holy Spirit. We don't see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit until Acts 2. But yet he's telling them already, you know this Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then he just told them earlier, I'm going to pray to the Father and he will send him. So like, you see this unraveling, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be with you, in you. And I think that Jesus is reminding them of the Trinity and just how it mm-hmm. works. Right. Because he's, he said earlier, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Mm-hmm. And he's basically saying, if you've seen me, you've seen the Holy Spirit. Here here we all are, yep. right here in front of you. <laughs> yeah, and I love that. I think we missed that right there mm-hmm. where he says that. Mm-hmm. Because again, John 20, I believe it is, is where he says he breathes in them in the upper room after his and, death. And I want to make a correction there. I mean, he is... God the Father, He sure. is the Holy Spirit. He, and in the in the body of Jesus. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, because He tells Philip, "If you've seen Me, you've seen the Father." Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And basically, He's telling them here, "If you've seen Me, you've seen the Holy Spirit." Mm-hmm. Well, He just got through telling them that He He was the truth, or yep. He is the truth. That was. Um, and then He refers to the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of Truth, mm-hmm. which is just kind of connecting all that together. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's even um yeah. And that's the now. Can I explain to you exactly how the Trinity works? I don't. Um, <laughs> it, it is a. Um, I remember as a child, I, I asked my Sunday school teacher one time because we was doing that scripture about Jesus, you know, ascending at the right hand of the Father and like that. And that's why I asked. I said, uh, I can remember my question. I was, you know, I said, well, uh, how, how is that? How is that? You know? And she said, I don't. I just. I don't know. I just know that there's just one. <laughs> Three and one, <laughs> one and three. Yeah. Um, here you go, Israel. God is one God, but yet there was three at the baptism of Jesus. Um, there was three <clears throat> several times throughout Scripture, and this says, let us make man in our own image. Um, that's a plurality, us. But here's where a couple of things break down with the Trinity. Um, you see some people do the three circles, and it meets in the middle, and that's the one. That doesn't work because then they're, they're, they're not all the same. Um, you know, it's like, there's three, two distinctively different, and it's almost like three people holding hands. I don't think you can. I do. I do believe in three persons, but I don't think they. Sh- they're. We're not polytheistic, so it's right. like there. Yeah. There has to be a oneness. Um, the egg. The egg doesn't really work either, even though I think both of those are good illustrations and and you know starts to wrap your brain around. But if if you took the Trinity and took a whiteboard, you're gonna have to draw one big circle for the Father the same big circle for the sun and the same big circle for the, the Holy spirit. Um, and even though they are three persons in one, you can't separate that circle. It's just three full circles. They're all fully God. Yeah. And, mm. uh, my only fear with the three circles meeting in the middle is it feels like there's some partial partial partialness there. So it's like, well, he's partially God. He's partially God. He, no, they're just all fully God. And they're all the same one here. All these are all God is one God, but yet there's, there's the Father speaking, the Holy Spirit descending, and the, the Son being baptized. Right. Um, you know, I mean, over and over we see this kind of thing. And then, of course, you have this thing of Jesus praying to the Father. And then he's going to send the Spirit and all these other things. And so um, I don't— I, It's like in your heart, you know, the, you know, Paul talks about it being a mystery. But it's like, you know, you know. You, you know, it's—, it's 
the mystery I think is is trying to explain it you know, because <laughs> in our finite mind <laughs> yeah yep um, Paul Washer one time said think of teaching the Trinity is he dead or is he no I hope not I like Paul <laughs> I don't think he is he's not that old okay um, he said one time he said we will um, one day know everything pertaining no no that was something else the, the statement I'm thinking of is trying to teach the Trinity is walking on a razor blade. And you could fall off at any time because it's a very difficult walk. Yeah. And I could, I could agree to that a lot because uh, it is very difficult. And a lot of people have a lot of different ideologies surrounding the Trinity. All I know is this, that I see three and I see one. Yeah. And there's three and one and there's one and three. And it doesn't really it doesn't really bother me not being able to explain that or to wrap my head around it Mm-mm. because uh, you know it's just something that you take on faith you know that's yeah. just the way mm-hmm. God said it bothers that, me <laughs> I'm not gonna lie I'm a nerd so I'm, I like to <laughs> he said you know that's that's who he is and that's you know that's just yeah it's just something that we cannot comprehend because we can't relate to it yep mm-hmm. you know like for me um it does not bother me one bit mm-hmm. to not to say I don't fully understand predestination. I, I just don't. I can't. Oh, I heard some good stuff about that. Um, <laughs> like, I can't understand it. And I don't, like, every time I think I do, there's another verse that you have to deal with. Um, I've heard a lot of really good teaching on it. Yeah. But I've heard a lot of really good teaching around about a thousand different views of it. So it's like, what do you believe? But it does, like, there's something about the Trinity is always compelling to me. I don't think yeah. I'll ever figure it out. I think it's a mystery. It's, but when it pertains to who he is as a person, as God, like his his attributes, his character, I want to know. Um, but I'm not frustrated. I can't figure it out. But um, but I do what you're talking about. There's some things that's higher than us, and yeah. there's a faith level that we walk on. Um, Philip Trent, brother Philip Trent said, "Water in three forms: steam, liquid, ice, all water." That's true. I heard that analogy mm-hmm. quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, actually, I said, then Greg Carwell said the same thing. Water represents the Father, ice represents the Son, and the rock we stand on, and the steam represents the Spirit. It cleans and gives power. I wonder if they're talking behind the scenes here. <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah. They work it together. Uh, yeah, I've heard that one as well. Um, but no, I agree. There's a faith level there. Yeah. So, good stuff. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And it's I'm not even really. I'm not, not even saying it's faith necessarily. It's just because it's 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 a reality. We don't have to believe it because it's, we know that it's true. But the understanding of it, you know, how that that operates, the the you know the walking it out. You know, how is the Father, you know, in heaven, the Son on earth, and the yeah. Holy Spirit descending like a dove all at the same time? How does that work? Yeah, I don't know, but I don't. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't mean to sound flippant, but I don't really care how it works. I just know that it does. Yeah, you know? there is like, like Jesse Duplantis one time. I think I heard him talking about is a dream. <laughs> Jason just having a <laughs> no. Well, there's a not. couple of really good speakers uh, that passed away recently, but now I can't think of who they are. Well, either one of those two. No. Um, well, right. Jesse, I don't watch. I don't listen to Jesse. Um, I just. I heard a person talk about this dream he had one time and said, like, in heaven he saw a big old ball. He called it a ball. Tim Keller, that's who it was. Yeah, no, Tim Keller did pass away. That's who it was. That's who I was trying to think of. He was a great speaker. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, 
and I think Jesse, if I, I can interpret this dream right, because I, I shouldn't even have said his name because I, I butcher things and I don't want to <laughs> feel like I'm talking bad about anybody, but something about a big ball of energy, Saul into heaven, big ball of energy, and then one time the son would pop out, and then another time the father would go in, and then another time the Holy Spirit would come in, but they would never be out together. And that kind of analogy where we just say three manifestations, I understand the what you're pushing towards. But I think that breaks down because, well, his was especially breaking down because then how do you have the three at the baptism yeah. if they're all supposed to, they can't be out together. They all have to come out of that ball of energy. And then, of course, you have Jesus praying to the Father. Right. And you have the Spirit of God being poured out. And so all at the same time, I just, I feel like we, uh, like you, I, I don't feel like we know exactly mm-hmm. how to put it into terminology and words because then we're also got to remember we're not polytheistic, which means we don't worship multiple gods. We worship one God. Here, Israel, our God is one God. Um, and so it's that balance and finding everything. Um, and I know a lot of people, different people have different views on it, but I didn't plan to get all into the Trinity. It's just Jesus approaches it here. And honestly, until this read through here, I'd never seen how much he did right here and how he was talking about how the world cannot see the Spirit of God. The world cannot see the Holy Spirit. And because they cannot see Him, they cannot receive Him. But they also can't receive Him because they don't know Him. But then He looks to them, to the disciples, seemingly before um, John 20 when He says, Receive the Holy Spirit, or Acts 2 when the Spirit is poured out on, on the church. And He says, You know Him, though, for He dwells with you and will be within you. And He's saying, So... He's telling them the Holy Spirit is dwelling with them now. That would be him walking with him. But then he says, but then he will be with you. And there's coming a day when the helper is going to be poured out. Because he says this in verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And how will he come to us? He sends his spirit. He sends the comforter. He sends the helper. He sends the advocate. Yet a little while and the world will see me. No more, but you will see me. And why will they see him? Because the Holy Spirit will live in him. And if you've seen the Father, you've seen the Son. And if you've seen the Son, you've seen the Spirit. If you've seen the Spirit, you've seen the Son. And if you've seen the Son, you've seen the Father. Because they are one. Mm-hmm. Amen. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, because I live, you also will live. We'll start back up tomorrow in verse 20. Um, John chapter 14, verse 20 is where we'll begin and pick up tomorrow. We do have trivia for the day. Um, I was talking to Mariah last night, and I was figuring out how to do this because I'm going to change things up. People's going to be like, you can't do that. Oh, well, <laughs> I don't know. Pray for me. Forgive me. We have one week under our belt on this one. All right. We can go. School starts back roughly two weeks, not just for Bethel Christian Academy, but for most schools. It's, it's a rough estimate, right, not yeah. precise. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to expand this one week to three weeks. All right, yeah. so we're going to add two weeks on here because what we're going to do, and y'all tell me if y'all like this or not. I'm still too late because we already decided. But <laughs> uh, this three-week period, we're going to have two backpacks full of school supplies to give away. So yeah. so if you can win it for your grandchild, you can win it for your son, you can win it for your daughter, whatever it looks <laughs> like, we'll have two backpacks. One will be a girl, one will be a boy. We'll have pencils, we'll have... Sh- Color and so this stuff. is week two. This will be week two and week three. So we're adding. We're just going to add one week because we're going to go up right to school week, and we're going to plenty of time. Can, can get their name in three times, uh, or just still just two. We will do <laughs> well since we're going three weeks. Mariah, you think it's okay to do three times? 
So if we're doing three weeks, or should we stick it at two? <laughs> you tell me. I'll let Mariah. Mariah says two. We'll keep it at two. And the reason we'll keep it at two is we'll give more people an opportunity to get in. Yeah. That usually does. Good idea. Good idea. All right. So this three-week period, you'll still be able to get in twice, but we're going to go for two backpacks full of school supplies. So that will put us drawing um, August the 4th. And most people's not in school yet. So you'll have an opportunity to get some kids some backpacks or anything to that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought this would be a fun way to get kind of going back to school. And um, we'll we'll stock the backpacks full of paper and folders and pencils and coloring markers, whatever they're called. Crayons. Crayons, um, coloring pencils. That's what I was looking, coloring pencils. Um, and we'll have it packed full of stuff for kiddos going back to school. So there'll be two backpacks. They'll be going together, though. So it'll be a, a guy and a girl backpack, and we'll find somewhere to give it to. Amen? So that's it. All we'll, right. Um, we're switching things around a little bit, but everybody forgive us for changing the rules on the go a little bit. It's not really changing the rules. We're just going to add no. a week to get us up to the school year. So Monday question number one, sponsored by the Sicilian Bank. In answer to Elijah's prayer, where did fire from the Lord consume both the sacrifice and the altar? In answer to Elijah's prayer, where did fire from the Lord consume both the sacrifice and and the altar. 270-257-2689. We'll be right back here after the break on Mornings of Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network. All right, we are back here on Mornings of Box 2 Radio. We have an answer for that trivia question. Joey Sosh got that right. That's his second time, so he's in for this three-week period. And um, the answer for that trivia question is Mount Carmel, 1 Kings 18, 16 through 40. Now, I've actually heard one preacher, he was preaching one time, and he kept saying Carmel, Carmel, Carmel. <laughs> How do you say it, Jason? Excuse me, I'm sorry, I was eating my breakfast. <laughs> the, uh, uh, peanut butter crackers. Yeah. That's a nutritious one. <laughs> well... I do what I can. I like um, it. What was the question again? <laughs> is it Mount Carmel or Mount oh, yeah, yeah, Carmel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Carmel. I think to yeah. Miss Gretchen. Yeah, that's what I would say. Yeah. I, it was like the way he's saying it, it really bothered me because every time he preached, he would be like, Carmel, Carmel, Carmel. And I'm like, this is a candy bar. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's it's Carmel for me. I don't I That's us three are agreement of that, but uh, Brother Joey I heard, got that uh, right. An interesting pronunciation of um, Naaman the leper. Yeah. Oh gosh, now, and this was a a doctor of Hebrew studies, and so I assume he was correct. But he was like Naaman. <laughs> yeah, I think I've heard that too, Naaman. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure Naaman. he's right, and we're wrong. We're, I'm sure we're wrong about a lot of these names yeah. we're pronouncing. Oh, for sure. <laughs> we're going to get to heaven. But just naming sounds better. <laughs> we're going to get to heaven and say, where's David? Who's David? David. <laughs> you know, he's going to be like, we're saying everybody's name wrong, probably. <laughs> Naaman. So should I say Naaman now whenever I no, preach I about Nam? No, I don't Nam? think you should. <laughs> I looked up the... Because he was yeah. talking about it, and I didn't know what he was... Yeah, that happened what, to your dad when we yeah, were in he, Israel. Yeah, I was like, Who, what is, who's this story about? And then he, when he said, then he said Naaman the leper. Yeah, because he just said Naaman first, and I was like, I don't even know. I, I you know, I, I love the Old Testament, but I'm not familiar with this guy. And so then when he said the leper, then I was like, Oh, okay, Naaman. <laughs> yeah, I am um, sure that we're gonna get to heaven. 
or around really smart people here on the earth, and they're gonna be like, "You're saying it wrong." It's kind of like when I was a kid. This this uh, car pulled up, and our I was was playing out in the yard, and they, he was wanting to know where Madrid was <laughs> here in <Magic>. Kentucky, <laughs> yeah. and how I would even know that it was, you know, yeah. Madrid. You know, but maybe I'd heard somebody that was from that yeah. area, and I had no idea where. Madrid was. <laughs> I was. I'm thinking um, in Kentucky. <laughs> brother Lance called it Ma- Madrid one time, yeah. and we was trying to get maybe we should Madrid. Just start doing it. Madrid. It sounds really um, cultured. Yeah. yeah, like it sounds sounds nice and eloquent. Uh, Madrid. Well, I guess it makes sense when you say Madrid, then people get here and they're like, "Oh, yeah, yeah this makes sense." Uh, but if like, you said Madrid, and then people <laughs> show up and they're like, "What the dollar store in Madrid?" Uh, yeah, like uh, Brother Lance will be at Madrid Pentecostal Church <laughs> on August the sixth, um, and so no, I can see it. I can see it. Um, all right, here we go. Question number one for this day. I'm actually going to start out with number four. We'll start with an easy one, then we'll work our way up. What are your thoughts on house churches? Um, well, I don't think house churches should ever replace the assembly together. First and foremost, I'll say that. Yeah, I'm i not against house churches, but I am against a house church if it disconnects you from the body. And I think that in the New Testament, especially in Acts after it started, we saw house churches popping up, but we also never see the assembly being forsaken. And so... Um, they continue the apostles' doctrine and breaking the bread, going house to house, and all these things. I would think, I think that house churches are a great thing to complement the the body, the local body, um, because if it's if it's in complete independence of everything else, what I've found most of the time is they're actually rebirthed out of rebellion more than they are about trying to build the body. Um, and what I mean by that is. It's people who don't want to be around the local body, don't want to be in submission, don't want to be anything to that to each other. Right. It's not about being submission to a man. It's about being submission to each other. Like, for me, I'm not accountable just to a few guys in a room on an eldership board. I'm I'm accountable to the whole church because I'm, I'm, I'm a part of it. And if Jason's out of black or doing something sinful, he's not just accountable to two or three men or one man. He's accountable to the body he's connected with. And... Um, what happens, I find a lot, is I'm not saying every one of them, but a lot of house churches I've seen are birthed out of people who did not want to submit to a local body and was in the wrong on something, and instead of dealing with that, they went and started their own thing. Right. And it's basically, for me, what I've seen a lot of times is another form of church splits. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not saying every one of them is like that, but right. I'm saying... The I like propensity. what you said earlier, rebellion. I think that's many, many times um, the case. They don't... Unfortunately. They don't want to submit to... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a local body. Yeah, we've had we've had some experiences. You know, d- dealing with maybe not here locally out of our church, but you know, they felt like the Lord was raising them up to to start a church, and not out of rebellion or anything like that. But but um, that's just what you know. Maybe the, an area that didn't have a church that met yeah. the needs, and so. They kind of started it that way, as kind of as a house church, and then, then they started, you know, uh, uh, building. building, you know, yeah. and, and growing, and and became a you know a, a vital part in the in the, in the kingdom, the yeah. But I th- but then but but we've had many that yeah we recognize that that's what was going on. That's why at first I've tried to be careful to say, I think it's 
okay if you do it in accordance or connected to the local body. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there, there's probably people that, well, there were many people <laughs> accused us of that, you know, because. Can you find uh, that verse where it talks about how to house? Yeah, Acts 2.42. Okay. Whoa. Um, <laughs> right on top of it. And so. Um, You've been studying this one? <laughs> well, no, I just, I've studied this question a lot. Okay. Because again, I I think if a house ch- if a house church works in unity with the bigger body, and not in opposition to the bigger body, um, you know, it, I think that's the key. I think in the kingdom, I think the thing about the kingdom that we always have to reiterate and expound and center upon is in the kingdom, we cannot be isolated. Like we cannot be isolated. We cannot be lone rangers. Um, like we may not be under denomination for sure, but we have accountability and we have, um, we have stewardship. We have all these things going on and we're not trying to be so isolated from everybody else that we want nothing to do with the rest of the body because we're angry and we're offended and nobody else knows what they're doing. Um, for me, I think, I think having a lot of different kind of churches are not a bad thing because each of us have different personalities and some of us will grow better in one church and some of right. us will grow better in the other church. And, um, you know, there's different things that God has blessed each body with the ability to do and we should celebrate that. But one thing I want to guard against is building house churches just out of hurt, out of defense, out of anger, out of rebellion, anything like that. If you're, if your house church is birthed out of those things, it's not birthed in a godly manner. Now, like what Ms. Gretchen said, if, if, there's a community and there's not yeah. a strong body or a strong presence of the body of Christ there. And God's drawing you to plant and to grow and to have that. And your heart's pure and you're working with your pastor and you're working around other things like that. And there's men of God and women of God praying for you and supporting you and the church that's coming alongside you. That's a whole different picture. That's not rebellion. That's right. growing the kingdom because mm-hmm. we're doing the bigger picture. But if you're doing it out of hurt, offense, bitterness, anger, pride, lack of submission, rebellion, anything right there, then you're not doing that house church in a godly fashion. You're doing it out of woundedness, and that's dangerous. Okay, now you was talking about um, Acts 2.46, as one continued on in that that chapter. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking Mm -hmm. bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Yeah. And what was that? Yours was... You said Acts two forty one. Two forty two. He said, "Yeah, okay. they devoted themselves." That's the whole, yeah, I think. And they yep, continued the steadfast in the mm. okay. doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking bread and in prayers. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So, from house to house, <clears throat> would imply that there was a community, a body already there, a, a local body. Yeah. And so they would go from house to house, but it was still the same body. They weren't fragmented. They weren't, um, you know, each sort of doing their own cavalier thing. You know, yeah, they, it was. Well, I mean, like for them, they didn't have 30 different churches in a city. Right. They had one and they would meet and they would gather and they would talk. But then the way they grew the most was having these smaller meetings where they did life together mm-hmm. um, because they kind of lived on top of each other, too. Like these were close quarters. A lot of these people were living in and they were doing dinner together. They were eating together, breaking bread together. But also I could see where especially at the beginning, I mean, this is the beginning, so they've not dispersed a whole lot. Like, this was very centralized, yeah. you know, where a lot of the apostles, Until disciples... the persecution came, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, when the disciples and the 
I can see the disciples and the apostles really distribute themselves among the houses. Mm-hmm. So Peter may go over there. James could go over there. John could go over there. Uh, Matthew went over there. And mm-hmm. they taught what Jesus taught them to smaller groups of people. Um, and I think that's that's there, not a bad thing either. And when there was any questions or disputes, you know, then they come back they together. They came together, and and yeah. the the leaders, you know, yep. you know, that came council to mm-hmm. later known as like the Council of Jerusalem mm-hmm. played pivotal ro- pivotal roles throughout the whole New Testament because, mm-hmm. um, you know, when Peter had his issue with the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. And he was eating with them, and then when the other Jews came around, he stopped eating with them, and then Paul calls them out. <laughs> well, where'd all this come back to? The Council of Jerusalem, mm-hmm. um, because they assembled there, and so. But I, I, I just see that, again, even the house to house breaking bread, it complemented and worked alongside the local body there. Yeah, and I just always go back to that. If if what you're doing is going against the local body because you're angry, bitter, or rebellious, that's not a godly house church. And we, we've seen a lot, you know, like with uh, uh, Zach and Rachel, and they're in Columbus now. They're going to a very large church, yeah. And they have, uh, they have, I don't know what they call them. Some of them call them life groups, and mm-hmm. yeah. I can't remember what what uh, Zach called it. But you know, basically, it's just uh, because the church is so big. You know, they gather a group, you know, and they meet, uh, you know, study the Bible and and fellowship, and you know, it, it helps. You know, you can get lost, you know, in a and some people like to do that you know yeah you know to just kind of okay i'll go to church i'll do i'll do my duty you know on sunday morning you know and uh you know and, and feel good about it but then you know really not growing you know yeah. and uh and, and also it it's a blessing to others you know to sure you know to share you know just you know your your the good the bad the ugly yeah. <laughs> and uh you know just uh you know have someone that you can fellowship with yeah. you know well, I think it goes back to it takes a team. It takes a group of people coming together. Because um, even here, it's Im- it's impossible for me personally to keep up with everything going on. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, how many times have you, one of you all come up to me and said, hey, we're praying for this person. Um, they have to start, well, I don't even know. Like, <laughs> But at the end of the day, too, they're feeling ministered to. They're feeling love mm-hmm. because there's people from the body that's reaching out to them. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think this is one of the important things to break mm-hmm. the – the philosophy of it has to be the senior pastor doing every single thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Because if it is, you're actually building probably more of a religious system than you are a kingdom system. Mm -hmm. Um, Because the kingdom system will tell you that the five folks there to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, we all should be engaging in that. We should all be there. um, I like life groups and community groups and small groups because, you know, you have your leader set in place and those leaders almost become like pastors to them. Mm -hmm. And, um, And, you know, I think senior leadership has to learn to promote that more and more and be behind that and yeah. it don't have to be them all the time and um, now I like to know things not because I'm trying to be in charge but if, if I need to pray for somebody or something, yeah. sometimes I get caught off guard with some things um, yeah. like you know Nehemiah leaving on a Sunday morning nobody telling me that uh, <laughs> or, or you know something I like that I thought he told you <laughs> uh, he was I, supposed to that's know. happened with Nehemiah and Bjork uh, <laughs> And so, but, you know, it, it is a bigger body. Um, there's a big body. Aaron sounds like he's wounded. He's going to yeah. go start a house church. I'm going to I'm gonna start a house church. All right. Uh, but, like, well, I mean, we're starting that community group for young people, yeah. young adults. We have a lot of young adults coming right now. So we're going to try to find a way that they can get together. That does not mean that that's isolated from the rest of the church. Sure. 
that means that we're trying to complement and walk along with the church in a bigger picture, but we're ministering to that age group for one night. And so yeah. to me, that's house churches. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we feel like the Lord, you know, Kelly and I feel like the Lord has, has sort of put that on our heart to have like a Bible study or uh, something in our home, but um, we don't really know. You know, we feel like led to do that, but we don't really know what age group. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we're kind of, Praying about that, waiting for. Why don't you get the Cubs fan? Like you could be like, it could be like a support group. Yeah, that's probably a support group <laughs> slash Bible study for Cubs fans. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a lot of them out there. <laughs> you know that. But um, anyway, um, you know, no, but know we would we would never dream of. You're not trying, trying to build your own to church. replace that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because yeah. what I would envision is is people from different bodies being there not just Bethel but you know other other places yeah. but we would never uh, ever dream of of trying to pull people one way or the other you know mm-hmm. because your I think your local church is is critical yeah for your growth yeah, yeah. Um, and I know like you all was talking about Rachel and Zach and the bigger church and stuff like that and the life groups a lot of times when you're doing stuff out of that local church then the life groups and stuff reinforce what's being taught on Sunday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like a correlation of, um, you know, they're expounding more. You're doing more of a biblical. I think I've heard that, that, that uh, when they do set up that, that I don't know if Zach's church does, but, uh, uh, you know, they all have the same yep. curriculum. <laughs> I feel you sorry know. for you have to do that with me because <laughs> I'm everywhere. And that way they in- reinforce, you know, what the, the what the pastor is. I don't know if it's what he's already taught or going to teach, you know, yep. on, on, on preach Sunday morning. So, um, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. I like it. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Um, question number two, we'll get it started. We probably won't finish it before the break, but it said, I recently heard a preacher say that the reason God wanted the giants wiped out is because they introduced idolatry to God's creation. What are your thoughts on this? Um, so God wanted the giants wiped out because they entered, introduced idolatry to God's creation. Try to think about this question. I did a little research on this. Okay. Good. <clears throat> and, I mean, I, I don't know. But Genesis 6 is where we see that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> one through four, the Nephilim. Didn't he kind of wipe out anybody that... Well, like, like there out. was no idolatry is what this... this uh, speaker was saying there was no real idolatry before that and you you know genesis 6 1 through 4 talks about the giants and then in verse 5 it says and god saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually so anyway he was he was saying that there was um you know that correlation there the giants come in and the the daughters of, of men, the sons of God, and then we see the wickedness mm-hmm. to the point where God says we gotta we gotta wipe this out. Um so um and I but I there's no real proof there that there's idolatry. So I was wondering is there somewhere else where it talks about this? That's what I'm looking for. I don't know, like we see the wickedness, mm-hmm. verse five. That's but it does say that right after that that uh, that passage, it's like it almost jumps from that topic of the giants to the wickedness. Yeah, and then his plan to destroy all. Yeah. 
except for Noah, he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I don't, I'm, I'm with you. I don't see idolatry here. Right, I don't either. Because Now, I mean, if you kind of think it through logically, I mean, these these sons of God, these, whether you call them fallen angels, whatever you would call them, um, they would be in rebellion or they would be disobedient to God, um, you know, of the same type of mindset of, of Lucifer, you know, where you mm-hmm. So... Anyway, this speaker was was saying that basically they taught the people of Earth to be to think like gods, like they were their own god. Yeah. So, but that that seemed to me like a big jump. I think it would be contingent. Like this would have this door would have to swing mm-hmm. on how you interpret Genesis six. Yeah. If you don't, in, if you interpret it as, um. Basically, men who are of Israel or the chosen people, seeing daughters of Seth or somebody like that, if they're if they're daughters of other tribes, if they're daughters of these, then you may be able to say they introduce idolatry, but I still think it's a big stretch. Um, because if you see it as demons mating mm-hmm. with daughters of men then you couldn't see it as that really yeah i don't know like i'm i'm really i don't see where i didn't see it either that's why i brought that question up because yeah um i was just trying to you know i thought and i, I heard it and i thought well, that's interesting then I, the more i thought about it now you know i was like well, where, where did that come from where did that idea of idolatry yeah. come from and then, so i looked at the looked at the verses and i i couldn't find it anywhere else um, Could they had a part in it, maybe, but or even exacerbate an issue of wickedness? They could for sure. But to say they introduced it, that would be my struggle. Yeah. Um, because wickedness was already here. It was already because it said wickedness was already in the land. Um, I just see nothing can pertaining to about introducing idolatry. I could be wrong though. I'm just trying to think through that. We talked. We've talked about that chapter quite a bit it's an interesting chapter to a lot of people for some reason um, it is but i'm really trying to wrap my brain around the whole introducing idolatry mm-hmm. for one we don't have idolatry missed mentioned in there and really idolatry itself doesn't become a prominent issue until probably after the distribution of tower of babel whenever they're starting to be distributed and sent out do you know anything before that because even with Noah, the ark, it was wickedness, but not idolatry. Right. Yeah. So I don't, I'd have to think more on it. Um, and we do have to do that every once in a while here. But off the top of my head, I would say they did not introduce idolatry. So you're, you're saying that if, if it is idolatry, it's, it's because they are worshiping something, a, a symbol or a, something visible. Well, but, I would think that. The listener here, or whoever asked the question, if I asked this question because I heard this one. Oh yeah, okay. So you heard. Yeah, I would say though, like idolatry for them, especially if we're doing an Old Testament contextualization, would be Baal or it'd be Astropoles or something like that. Like, mm-hmm. and that's really not introduced until much later than what the Nephilim and them would be. Yeah, I was just looking up the word. You know, I said to find idolatry in the Bible. Yeah. I just Googled it. So. <laughs> now, if you go with idolatry so, and washing, worshiping someone other than Yahweh yeah, in mm-hmm. here, 
Yeah. Then and that's what they that started. was already there. Yeah. Idolatry is the worship of anything other than God, whether it's visible form or not. That was there before Genesis six. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, we'll come back to this. We'll finish this a little bit more. Um, I, we're going to read our second trivia question. Remember, we're in a three-week period instead of yeah. two, <laughs> and it's going to be for two backpacks full of back-to-school goodies for the kiddos. Um, and I want to read this text over real fast. Pastor Darren from Kingswood said, In the church planting world, we are seeing the Lord calling people to plant house churches. They are part of the larger kingdom and connected in either denomination or church planting networks. I think this is the positive way. Yeah, and I think, I, I mean, I agree, I agree that, good. Um, you know, it's, I think we were, that's what I we was trying to stress of a house church is very complimentary. Uh, it's complement if it complements the local body, the, the larger local body, mm-hmm. and not in contradiction or opposition to it, right. then it is healthy. I think yeah. it's good. I think it's right. Mm-hmm. And we should always be for church planning. Like, we want to send more missionaries out. We want to send more pastors out. We want to be engaged in building the kingdom. But if it's ever done in hurt, offense, woundedness, or rebellion— then it's unhealthy and it will usually cause more dissension mm-hmm. than not. And this is what I found most of the time. And I know we got to read our second trivia question, go to break. But what I found most of the time, most of the time is churches that are born out of church splits tend to have more church splits. Yeah. It's a reciprocal cycle that if we don't kill it, it'll just keep breeding more and more. And church splits, sometimes they're unavoidable because they're doctrinal issues that maybe possibly there needs to be some kind of, split over but a lot of times it has nothing to do with doctoral issues usually it's about preference offense hurt or the color of the carpet or toilet paper up or down like i mean it is over that kind of stuff that's silly down or (laughs) up all right no i'm just kidding i just wanted to be different all right um third monday question number two sponsored by higdon lane servant and we appreciate Higdon Land Serving being a part of the Box 2 Radio Network. Higdon what? Higdon Land Surveying. Okay. <laughs> it's a Monday. It's a Monday. Okay. What church had fallen prey to legalistic Judaizers? What church had fallen prey to legalistic Judaizer? 270-257-2689. We'll be right back here after the break on Words of Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network. Welcome back in to Mornings of Box 2 Radio. We have not had an answer yet for our trivia question. Remember, this will get you in for a three-week period. We're going to expand it by one week um, so that we can run right up to this week before school starts back for most school systems. And we're going to have two backpacks full of school goodies. And you may say, well, I don't have kids or I don't have this. Well, you'll find somebody. Take it to your church and find kids that need it. School supplies is always in need. Trust me. Um. And so, but it's it's an exciting thing that so we want to give out to the body to to help maybe some family or maybe you don't have a family like I said, but you know a family that would be able to use these school supplies because I'm getting ready to go buy school supplies for six kids, <laughs> and I'm thinking about how to take out a loan to do this. Um, <laughs> can I go get a personal loan somewhere? Do I need to do something? Um, and so we are. It, it is not cheap to buy school supplies, so we just want to bless somebody with these two backpacks full of school supplies. So again, Monday question number two, what church had fallen prey to legalistic Judaizers? What church has fallen prey or had fallen prey to legalistic Judaizer? And so we just got out of a question of the Nephilim and did they introduce um, idolatry? Mm -hmm. And um, 
I'm still going to rest upon it. I just don't hear a lot about like bail and stuff up to this point. Yeah. And it doesn't seem like they introduced it. But do they have an influence in wickedness? I'm sure they did. Um, anytime you go outside of the camp or anything like that, or if it is demons mating with daughters of men, of course all of that's going to be exacerbated by what they're doing. So, um, And it's going to make the situation worse of wickedness. But I can't say they introduced wickedness because... It seems like wickedness has been there since Cain and Abel. Right, yeah. Yeah, and definitely did Yeah. But I just thought it was, like I said, I, I heard that myself this weekend, and I thought I would uh, ask uh, the expert, Pastor Aaron Wilson. Well, definitely not. <laughs> That's not the case. Trust me. That is definitely not the case. Um, number three, let's do this question, or number two on the list. Is there a blessing or a curse in the meaning of a person's name? Um... Man, it's a hard one. Yeah. It would appear it would appear in some, but then when I think of the prayer of Jabez, his name was but I mean I'm gonna look it up here. <laughs> I don't even know what my name means. Oh, I used to know, Jason. <laughs> Here's how I would answer this question, because again, I'm not very good at reading these before. Yeah. Um maybe I should get better about studying that more. I'm, I, I just answer on the top of my head on on the mornings. I think um, that's the best way. Here's what I would say: we could always, if we really encounter a question that we need, yeah. it, we could come back to it later. Here's what I would say: I think just for me thinking through it right now, I think if you have the intent, yeah, then I think there could be a blessing or a curse. You know what your what? name means, Jason? What healer? Healer? How about that, Jason? <laughs> healer. You know, I knew, I remember that now. Um, mm-hmm. Like if if I like the Hebrews, you remember what your name sisters your sister's name meant? <laughs> I can't say it on the radio. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> um, like the Hebrews, they were intentional about it. Like they would name their kid around a certain thing or a certain meaning. They yeah. had a, they intentional about it. And then sometimes the Lord would rename people. But then did, but then I want to say this too though. If if you just have a kid and you name them and you mm-hmm. have no intention. I want to be careful that you're putting blessing or curses on them too. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, um, because maybe you just had no idea what it meant. Maybe you mm-hmm. named a kid something you really liked the name, or maybe you named your kid after you, after your father or grandpa or, or grandmother or grandma or anything to that regard. And it turns out to be he or she who smells like BO. <laughs> All right. Well, you probably didn't mean to curse your kid with BO smell, but I think if you have an intentionality about it, like, um, Ivy, our little surprise blessing we got from the Lord, literally yeah. means blessing from God. How and, about that? And so um, I think God can use things like that, and I think God can do amazing things like that. But also, if if say you weren't born again, mm-hmm. and you didn't know the Lord whatsoever, and um, and you name your kid something, and then you go back and you realize what it meant, like, I just think you have to be cautious of putting a lot of condemnation and fear and right. all these things. Yeah. Um, I don't want you to think three years about naming your kid because you don't want to curse them. Um, <laughs> does that make sense? That's just when I'm going off top. Well, of let head. me ask you this. Let's say that you and Heather were going to have a baby and you all pick out a name mm-hmm. and then you really like this name and then you found out that the name meant something that was just not positive 
Yeah. Would would you change your mind? Has the baby already been born and named? No. So you've picked out a name, and somebody says, "Well, you know that name means whatever you said earlier, like bo or whatever, you know, <laughs> or you know, anti God or something like that." Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, would would you change your mind or would you say, "No, I'm not accepting that curse." I guess it would be, what does it mean? Yeah. And then I would be relying, I know it sounds like a cop-out, but it's really not for me, I promise, relying on the Holy Spirit. If yeah. if he leads me to change it before the baby's born, then, yeah, I would definitely change it. Um, okay. But also, I don't think I'm going to live under, like, I don't know. I, I want to be cautious of this kind of stuff. Um, but I want to I want to bless our children. But I think it's right. intention. I think it's purpose. Um, Josh I, Milburn I said, "I, Josh, uh, Josh Milburn said, I said, depending on how an intention two seconds before you did." Um, <laughs> and so, what does the name Josh mean? Uh, don't know. Slow to text. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a dad joke of the day? Um, while we're looking up what Josh means, uh, Nancy lastly got that answer right for the trivia question. So congratulations, Miss Nancy. Get her name in for the drawing. Mm-hmm. Church at Galatia, Galatians 1, 6 through 9. So congratulations. Awesome stuff. We got our two winners for today, our two numbers, two names in the in the drawings. Again, you can get them two weeks over this three-week period for two backpacks full of school supplies. Okay, Joshua in Hebrew means God is deliverance. Yeah, God is <laughs> He was. He was <laughs> delivering him from a young baby and a young child from asthma and so many breathing issues. That's true. Um, uh, another one says God is salvation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, like, uh, do you think this is is kind of a curse? You know, I was referring to the Jabez. It says, And Jabez was more honorable than his brethren, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bear, bear him with sorrow. So, and Jabez means sorrowful. So, I don't, I don't know exactly, exactly if that's like a curse, but then, of course, then Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed, and enlarge my coast, and thine hand might be with me, and that thou wouldest keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. And God granted him that which he requested. Mm-hmm. So I don't, if it was a curse, then it was he broken. reversed it. Yeah. 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 Now, I would say, I'm, 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 I'm staking more on your question, Jason. Um, would we change the name? I think if we had full revelation of what that name would mean and we wanted to make sure that we were doing everything and setting this kid up for success and godly heritage as much as possible i think if it was a true name that meant a curse i think we would i'm trying to think i'm trying to be as honest as i can um but also i'm not going to live in fear or right you know i don't um yeah as a child of god i mean you're you know we walk in victory and you know we pray and we bless our own children. Yeah. You know so. Um, because a lot of names too could have plurality. Yeah. Plural meanings, and some people could say it means this, or some people could say it means that. Um, and so, I think that we should. Well, you're not going to name your daughter Jezebel or something like that. Probably not. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> but you know. Um, you're probably in the clear. <laughs> yeah. It's a harder question than I thought it would be, Jason, because I don't know how to... I mean, I definitely want to say intention. Yeah. Uh, behind it is a big 
key. But I think also if we know and have revelation, we should be cognitive of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's a balance. I think intentionally naming our kids something to promote blessing yeah. and setting them up for a godly heritage is key. But if we don't know the Lord or somebody really don't have any revelation what's going on and they name their kid uh, name their kid Jezebel, they never knew anything about Jezebel in the Bible. And they just said, hey, I like the name Jezebel. Why you would like the name Jezebel? I'm not for sure. But they named them Jezebel, but there's no recognition or revealing of who she is, and they don't know nothing about her. Right. I don't want to sit there and say, that kid's doomed to be like Jezebel. But if you have an intention about it, and I'm going to name them Jezebel because I want this girl to be cursed, and I want her to be a manipulator, then I, th- I think that would be dangerous. So, Do you know what the name Jezebel means? No. Well, no, it's... Uh, let me see. In the Hebrew, it means pure or virginal in the Bible. But in but then it says, uh, what does Jezebel mean biblically? A powerful, hungry, violent woman. <laughs> see, plurality. That <laughs> actually goes back to what we just said. There's, she wasn't see, very pure. Um, <clears throat> Josh said he loves his name meaning. And yeah. he says he's listening on the app with a paintbrush in hand. So no, give him a break, go. Jason. <laughs> All right. Give the guy a break. Goodness. All right. Let's try one more question before. Well, before we go okay. on, oh, sure. uh, we have a prayer request. Here. Okay. All right. <clears throat> and it's kind of, you know, we just, our last question was with uh, Higdon surveying. Mm-hmm. Okay. They're, his grandson, uh, Elizabeth just texted and said that uh, they have a new grandson, Archie, and he's on. Uh, oh, wow. He has fluid on his lungs. And so, and, and had been on oxygen. So they, uh, they're going to release the mom tomorrow, but they don't. They want to be able to take the baby with them. So, okay. So let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for Archie. God, I thank you, Lord, for this new life, this beautiful grandbaby, this beautiful son. Lord, I just thank you, Father God, that you are the God that healeth thee. You are the God of the impossible, and there's nothing that you can't do, Father God. And we just ask you, Father, that this these fluid, this fluid on the lungs would dissipate right now, Father God. It would go away. Lord, everything's going to be functioning normally, Father God, that when mom is released, the baby's released as well. They can go home and celebrate your goodness and celebrate your victory. I know what it's like to be in a parent, being in the hospital, not knowing anything or not knowing if you could take your child home yet and all the fears and all the anxiety and all that that tries to creep upon. I just ask you for peace. I ask you for faith. I ask you for rest. And God, I declare that you will prepare a table in the midst of our enemy. And when the enemy tries to come in like a flood, you will let us sit down and sup because we know that you are with us and we will not fear we will not walk in anything other than peace and faith, and we declare your healing, and we declare your marvelous recovery right now, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You know what the name Archie means? Genuine, bold, or brave. Amen. <laughs> amen. Now every time a kid's name, we're going to be figuring this out, Jason. <laughs> I don't even... Um, well, you know, one... one uh, uh, doesn't One's your name mean like priest or something like that? Uh, probably means weirdo or something. Um, <laughs> okay, well, look it up. <laughs> <laughs> it's a priestly weirdo. It's the weirdo of priest. <laughs> Exalted or strong, it has also been interpreted to mean teacher or mountain of strength. <laughs> well, I don't know if things will apply to me, but um, I'll take it. But I, I did that one Sunday, uh, you know, because I, I, I was teaching a Sunday school class and. It, it was uh, uh, it was all uh, preteens, I think it was, you know. So it was boys and girls. But anyway, we did. We looked up, 
everybody's name and it, and it, it was kind of that was part of my lesson you know to uh who they are in christ yeah. you know and that uh you know and it's it you know it was, it was kind of funny because it seemed like all their names kind of went with their personalities. So yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I do think there's significance in the name, mm-hmm. but I don't want to put a lot of condemnation on a family that know. Right. That's what I want to be. That's what I'm trying yeah. to say the whole time. I want to be cautious of. There's uh, probably not a lot of names out there that have a negative connotation that are popular. I'm sure. I mean, probably, if you are calling your kid Satan, you probably got a problem yeah, now. Uh, there was a couple. This was a couple years ago. I know that tried their best to get that done. And I think the government said, "No, you can't do that." Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you if you go off of some of these names, Beelzebub or Bubby or yeah. Do we want to tell Mariah what hers is? Yeah. Yeah. Mariah's name means the Lord is my teacher. <laughs> there you go. Um, she's the speechless. Best, the best one to have. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Miss Gail says her name means abounding love and always happy. That's true for Miss Gail. How about that? I mean, I, I we may be answering our own question. Here. <laughs> I do think that um, I do think there's significance in the name, mm-hmm. and I think intention is 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 key. But also, I want to walk on a little bit of caution to say that if somebody didn't know, I don't want them to live the rest of their life in condemnation because they named their kid something necessarily that wouldn't have a very good biblical right. meaning mm-hmm. yeah is that fair like i just want to make sure i clarify yeah, that i think it's i think fair. i've shared this one time uh you know my my phone i got a text and uh and I, it wasn't in my contacts and so i didn't know who it was so i i guess i answered their question and then i said and, and who is this and i got a response back and it was jesus yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but really who it was it was jesus <laughs> it was Oh, mm-hmm. one of our Jesus is texting this question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> about that. Um, okay. All right. The next question. Um, my goodness. Do the last one because I'm kind of curious about that one. Okay. Yesterday you preached from Mark five. Why does the account in Matthew refer to two individuals instead of one? Do you know the exact reference in Matthew? Uh, you say Matthew or Mark? What? You preached from Mark. I did. I uh-huh. bet you've looked it up in Mark. It'll tell you the cross reference. Mark five is where I preached from. Um, and what course, was you? What was the question again? Matthew says two individuals. Mark says one. Um, and we're going to look at the why that happens. Um, I'm, I'm trying to. F- do, do you have the? Here's Mark five. Mark. Uh, it's also Matthew eight. Matthew eight, yeah, and Luke eight. All right. I don't know what it says in Luke, but. Okay, so we're going to go to Matthew and see what Matthew says first. Uh, <coughs> let's go down. Hills it says, many. It was two possessed of the devils coming out of the tombs. Oh, you know, I've never noticed that. And, and I'm, I'm doing a study in Mark, but I'm, I'm not to verse chapter 5 yet. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, all right, so. Hmm. You, were, you were preaching on, you were sharing with uh, a preacher that, um, Every time he's going to do a study on in a book of the Bible, he reads the whole book. Yeah. Who was that? MacArthur. Yeah. John MacArthur did. And I—that's what I've been doing. I, I've been doing a section of you know, and then I go back and, but I, I'm going to read it all again. You know, every every time I, hmm. I just and I kind of I read it out loud. So. so. Yeah. I'm going to be honest, Jason, because I don't want to act like I know something I don't. Um, I've never caught that there's two coming out of there. 
I never have either. Um, I've read Matthew a whole lot, and I guess it's never. So I'm going to table that till tomorrow, and I need to. There's never a contradiction, so right, there's, yeah. um, there's always going to be an answer. Now, well, I mean, I'll just, tell you what uh, okay. John Wesley said. He says, uh, of course, he says that Mark and Luke mentioned only one uh, who was probably the fiercer of the That's two. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. And the person mm-hmm. who spoke to, to the Lord first. The other guy probably. You know, if you, somebody's really, you know, if you've got two people and one's really, really uh, kind of stands out, mm-hmm. the other person kind of gets overshadowed. Yeah. You know, um, like Michael Jordan and Scotty Pippen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I could see that. Um, I don't, I'd, I actually just want to look into this more. So I don't see it as a contradiction. No, it is kind of curious though that. Um, now I'm looking at what Luke says. What does Luke say? One or two? Amen. Amen. From a city. Yeah. I'm gonna say. I'm, Does it say in Matthew? I don't. I'm still in Mark. Does it say in Matthew that they were both possessed? Uh, let me go back to Matthew. I'm, I'm all over. Um, yes, yeah, it's two possessed with devils. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. And don't you just think too? They were ba- they were banned from the city, so it's like you know, ever how many there are, that there may have even been more than two. You know. That's true. Uh, and that, that's it's kind of like the lepers too. They they lived in, you know, they were sent out of the city and were, you know, in a colony. So, hmm. um, oops, I'd never actually seen that either. Yeah, I mean, this one's it's interesting how you. I mean, I read Matthew a lot, and you never caught it. I never have either. Yeah. Um, I guess sometimes you get these stories in your head, and you yeah. you are guilty of just kind of reading right through it like yeah. yeah i know this guy this is oh yeah this is where he does this or this is where he does that and you that's where distinctives are important mm-hmm. um well i i usually have something to say but <laughs> I, I just don't want to say something wrong here um <laughs> okay so for the first time in my life i'm going to hold this completely and i'm not going to i'm not going to assume or presume on anything because we just rebuked that one guy for doing that um so i will talk about this tomorrow and I'm going to look at this today because this is very interesting and it's challenging to me. Again, I never think the Bible contradicts itself whatsoever. No, no, I don't either. Never. And I would say that Miss Gretchen's use of John Wesley's probably, mm-hmm. there's probably some, some truth. To, I just want to make sure I'm, okay. um, I want to figure this out. Now you got me, if y'all, if y'all don't hear from me, if you text me today, I don't respond back because <laughs> I'm studying this. Um, but no, it is interesting. Thank you for pointing that out because, um, and, and you know, of course, you always got to remember everything we read in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, this is one thing I bring to the table every time I study the Gospels, is that there are four different perspectives. They see it from different right. perspectives. Mm-hmm. Same event, but if me, Jason, Gretchen, and Mariah get to a four-way stop at the same time and see an accident, every one of us is going to interpret the accident differently mm-hmm. because we've seen it at different angles. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think that's always the first and foremost thing that I look at when I see the Gospels, especially when you talk about the Synoptic Gospels, that the first three that seem similar to each other, but yet there's distinctives that look or perceive differently based upon their perception of what they looked at it from. So um, I'm going to look at that later. I'll come back, and I never claim to know everything, so I'm learning just like everybody else. Mm -hmm. And um, great question. It's challenging. I like that. We're going to take a break here. We're going to come back here. 
Dr. Grady, and very excited to have him on the air with us here in just a minute. We'll be right back here after the break on Morning to Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network. We are back, and mornings with Box 2 Radio. Uh, Pastor Aaron had to step out, so um, I'm filling in. And we have on the phone with us Dr. Grady McMurtry. And uh, Dr. Grady, you with us? I am, sir. How are you? All right, doing great. Jason Miller here. Uh, also, I have my mother here with me, Gretchen Miller. And so um, we're happy to have you back. Um, and uh, I was able to interview you last time you were on, and it was it was a it was a fun morning for me. I love science, I love uh, <laughs> creation studies, and so uh, I signed up for your um, a newsletter as actually while we were interviewing. So <laughs> and uh, got it in the mail just a couple of days later. So really, it was really a, a blessing for me, though. So. Good and to have you back one on. coming out. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? That's great. All right. Excited about that. Um, so, uh, Creation Worldview Ministries, correct? Yes, sir. All right. And uh, just, just uh, I know you're a regular uh, guest, but just uh, for anybody that may be tuning in for the first time, uh, quickly tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, Creation Worldview Ministries. Well, I grew up as an evolutionist at Berkeley and uh, received my science degrees as an evolutionist taught it from the seventh grade level of students up to the university level but at 27 in a search for truth which as I said is what every good scientist should do mm-hmm. I became a Christian that challenged me to determine whether God had spoken things into existence 6,000 years ago as the Bible says in total inerrancy or had God used an evolutionary process to bring it about I mean, there are two possibilities there. And after 16 months of diligent study in areas of science, came to the conclusion that, no, evolution is a fairy tale for adults. Yes. That is just a house of cards. And that good science supports what the Bible says, though the Bible is the first and final authority. And so, uh, for the last, now, 49 years, I've been teaching on it around the world. Right. Wow. 49 years, you said? Yes, sir. Wow, that's amazing. All right. Uh, I remember that last yeah, last interview because uh, I will I will be 49 in, in about a week and a half. So you've been at this <laughs> as long as I've been alive. I remember that now. Okay. Um, sure. Since you brought that up, talking about your conversion experience, um, was there a particular question or uh, thing that you just couldn't explain away that really drove you to um, your salvation experience? Was there, you know, just something that you couldn't just set it aside and just troubled you or, or just kind of uh, uh, ate at you until you, you know, you uh, got it right? Well, my experience is very similar to C.S. Lewis or mm-hmm. Josh McDowell and others. Um, nothing new with me. The, the question has been around for 2,000 years, which is simply, is Jesus telling the truth or he's not? Right, yeah. And and being that I was born in 1946, at that time the United States was still predominantly Christian in its population and its thought processes. And so you couldn't grow up in those days without knowing about Christianity, without knowing the basics, you know, the name Jesus Christ and Mother Mary and Father Joseph and, uh, you know, some of those basic things, and churches were certainly all over the place but I but growing up in the 
area where I did, you know, born in San Francisco, raised on the campus of Cal Berkeley, um, very obviously liberal, but it wasn't yeah. as liberal back then, but it was still plenty liberal. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it was. And so I, I didn't grow up as a militant atheist like some people. Mm-hmm. Um, I simply grew up more as a, a, at the time I wouldn't even have known what to say. Looking back, I can say it's more like agnostic. Right. Um, because from birth, I was a teacher. That's what my mother said. And and I had an instantaneous interest in science. So the science I was being taught was one-sided. I was only being shown one side of the issue. I was not allowed to look at other interpretations or to see the evidence that contradicted it, etc. And therefore, I wasn't educated. I was indoctrinated. That sounds like science today. Well... That's what science teachers are doing today, yes. <laughs> and to a great to a great extent, as well as the entire rest of the school system, whether it's PE or whatever. Yeah. Um, but, but the fact of the matter is, therefore, being interested in science and only being taught one side of the issue, you know, I, I'm I'm accepting. You know, the, the last thing you want to think is that your teachers would lie to you, but of course today they lie like a rug. <laughs> That's true. And and um, so. I had been around Christianity, but I had believed evolution. But, like I said, good scientist seeks truth. And at the age of 27, I simply got to the point of enough's enough. You know, either Jesus is telling the truth or he's not. Uh, and if he's not, I'm going to move on to something else. Yeah. Uh, and so, for six months, I diligently studied that question. Uh, technically, there's, there's three views. Mm-hmm. Either, either he is a son of God and he told the truth, period. Right. Yeah. Or he was a liar. Right. Now, nobody, nobody denies that he existed. I mean, uh, he's mentioned by roughly a dozen historians outside of the Bible, etc. I mean, he's better established, say, than the, well, the author, presumably Homer. Yeah. Um, so it's not a question of whether he existed or not. The question is who or what was he? So, if he's not telling the truth, if he's lying, he's doing it because he's either sane and he's just seeking power over people or whatever, or he's a lunatic. I mean, those are the three choices. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, Lord, liar, or lunatic. Now, I've I've got two doctorates, and and I think I can say that has some scholastic ability. So, I took my my scholastic academic credentials and, and studied the question. Was Jesus telling the truth or wasn't he? And at the end of six months, I came to the conclusion that he was telling the truth. Now, you say the one thing. Um, I think what finally did it for me okay. was the establishment of the resurrection as irrefutable. Right. Now, uh, the reason for that was because we know of roughly 500-plus people who mm-hmm. were willing to die on a cross. Yeah rather than recant that they had seen him after his death. Yes. No one will die to... Right. Pardon? Including all 12 of his disciples. Well, Paul comes along to replace... That's true, yeah. Mm -hmm. Judas. Yeah. But um, the, the fact of the matter is, no one will die to support a lie. Right. 
No one will voluntarily give up their life simply to support the lie of another. And therefore, that gave absolute authenticity. I mean, everything else we can, we again, historians know that he was there, Josephus and many others too. Um, but for me, that settled it. And so, um, in, I was by myself, only the Holy Spirit leading and so forth in this six-month study. And I came to that conclusion, and once I made that conclusion, if you're going to maintain intellectual honesty, you have to accept. And if you're going to see truth and you find it, you to, to be mentally and intelligently honest with yourself, you have to accept it. So I became a Christian in a room all by myself. Uh, the question was not knowing enough about things. Um, what do I do next? And that's when I got involved with the church. And I also then studied for 16 months whether God had used evolution to create what we see or whether he had spoken it into existence 6,000 years ago, whole, complete, and perfect. And, and after 16 months came to the conclusion it was about 6,000 years ago, whole, complete, and perfect. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, well let me ask you this then as we move on. Um you you travel a lot. Which, oh, by the way, uh, are you ever in in Kentucky? I think you're based I out of Florida. Kentucky. Uh, I used to speak in Kentucky a great deal. Yeah, I I have spoken from Pikeville to Clinton. Okay, <laughs> I've spoken from the Ohio River to <laughs> Tennessee border. I've been to Clinton a few times, actually. Believe it or not, it's not a very big town. Well, is it? <laughs> Yeah, I, I spoke many times out in the West, but I yeah. have spoken all over the area okay. of Kentucky, and I intend to be back there again. Okay. Well, make sure uh, you let us know if you are in any anywhere near our area, listening area. Well, any, any pastor in the listening area can contact us and invite us to. There you go. All right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, at creationworldview.org, right. we've got the various buttons for you know the newsletter when you signed up and. Therefore, well, we got one there. It says to schedule, and any any pastor who fills out that form, I call and see whether we can work something out. All right, that's great. That'd be great. We'd love to have you in this area. Um, so let, let me ask you this then: uh, the what's the most common question that you get as far as like when you're you're teaching or or people just uh, you know, they hear about who you are and what you do, and and so you know what what do people ask you? What's the most common question that you get? I'm not sure that there is a, a most common question, but okay. of course, the, the the questions that do come up are things like, "Oh, you can't really believe in a worldwide flood." Can't. Yeah. Um, and I drive across Kentucky, and I said, "The evidence of a worldwide flood is everywhere in Kentucky." Yes, we were at the Natural Ridge uh, uh, last weekend, and that well, and that's the remnant of the flood. Yeah, but every, all those sedimentary layers—I don't care which end of the state it is. All those sedimentaries scream worldwide flood, mm -hmm. and and all the other things like you know, no soil horizons between layers, no V-shaped erosion marks, no root holes, no animal holes. Uh, you got carbon fourteen in your coal deposits. I mean, the list just goes on and on. Yeah. Um, and of course, there are people who say, well, you just can't believe in the supernatural, and I say, why not? Um, that's the problem with evolutionists is that they, they intentionally, because they don't want to be challenged, but they intentionally refuse to accept knowledge from what is available to them. 
they censure themselves mentally and intellectually. Right. Because, as I pointed out in the program some time back, uh, supernatural, if you think of supersonic, if something goes faster or beyond the speed of sound, supernatural is simply that which goes beyond nature. Mm-hmm. And evolution censure themselves from any knowledge that comes beyond nature when that knowledge is available. Um, other questions that we get, of course, they, they'll say, well, you can't possibly believe that you know, dinosaurs and people live together. Well, I grew up on the campus of Cal Berkeley, and as a child, I used to spend a lot of time in the paleontology labs there. And, of course, I grew up believing that you know dinosaurs were 65 to 200 million years ago, no yeah. human ever saw a dinosaur. Well, today I got a presentation shot full of this, not only the historic but the physical evidence to prove that people and dinosaurs did live together. That includes artwork and artifacts. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I do believe it. Now, it says so in the Bible, and that, that should be, again, our first and foremost authority. Right. But there's tons of evidence that people and dinosaurs live together. The Bible certainly does say it without a doubt. I mean, there's 12 references to dinosaurs or the relatives, as people would think of them, uh, that are in the Bible, mm-hmm. uh, ten of them after the flood. Right. Yeah. The so, you know, th- those are the typical questions that come up. Okay. Well, that's yeah. That 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 kind of makes sense. That's 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 kind of along the lines of of what I was thinking there. Um. So, um, can you give us kind of a maybe a little preview of uh, your uh, next newsletter? Uh, what's what's some topics maybe that we're discussing or uh, thoughts on your mind there? Well, the one that's just being processed and being mailed out this week. Um, of course, we we are domestic and foreign missionaries. Right. Uh, we're we're Christian teaching missionaries. You know, we, we're not the kind of missionary that goes and lives in a country for thirty years. So we we work on five continents. At the end, or the second half of August, I'll be going to Brazil for the 18th time, uh, and we're going to be able to go to Bolivia okay. this time, which is very interesting because I'm going to be speaking to German Mennonites in a Spanish country, <laughs> I mean from a Portuguese one. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow, do you speak any of those languages? <laughs> Well, I grew up with Spanish in California, and it helps me with the Portuguese a bit. I took some German in in college, but the problem with that is that this Mennonite group speaks an old form of German. Okay. (laughs) So I'm not doing that. I'm taking an interpreter. Okay. You might need to take three. (laughs) Um, We're announcing our trip to Israel in March next year. Um, I, of course, made 59 trips to Russia. Wow got out two days before the invasion of Ukraine last year, and um, we are still working with Russian language speaking. I mean, if you go to our website, it's in three languages, um, and I'm sharing some things that are, I think are interesting for people uh, about Russia uh-huh. and the Russian, Russian-speaking peoples uh, in this particular <laughs> issue. Um, I talk about how things are continuing to go downhill there. Uh, people are back in their dachas in the summertime growing food because of what's going on. Uh, next month I will be reporting also of our 
uh, recent information that in the Russian-speaking migrant communities of, of both the Ukrainian immigrants and the Russian immigrants in the United States, um, they have come primarily to California, Oregon, Washington, Minnesota, New York, Florida. And, of course, the Russians have been in California for 200 years. What's interesting is that the immigrants uh, in the last year and a half have been moving out of blue states and to the red states. Hmm. Uh, as much as one-third of the immigrants in the last 18 months have, and I'm just thinking politically now, doesn't that strike you as interesting that they would be moving from the blue states to the red states? Yeah. Uh, and there's a reason for that, because they understand what communist tyranny is like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, we always include a couple of items um, of, I think, particular interest. For instance, uh, I've, I've been for months and now even years um, speaking and teaching against environmental terrorism. And so I've had articles on, you know, what's wrong with electric cars. I mean, 100% electric cars. Yeah. What's wrong with windmills? Because they are far worse than they are beneficial. Same thing with solar panels. They are far worse than they are beneficial. Um, in the current now, didn't, era, didn't, I, think, I hate to interrupt you, but did, didn't you tell us last time that electric cars are heavier than... They're uh, a thousand pounds heavier. They wear their tires and the roads faster. And the pollution from the tire wear stays in the air and gets in your lungs, whereas back in the days of tetral ethyl lead when we burned it, which was not a brilliant idea I admit. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it went into the ground mm -hmm. but we're actually getting more air pollution from the t wear of tires than we do from from gasoline engines wow yeah yeah um so and, uh, and tell yeah. me tell me what's what's wrong with uh the the wind turbines i don't like the looks of them for one thing but well, first of all, they're supposed to be environmental terrorists, and we're going to get all this free energy. Well, remember, there ain't no such thing as a free lunch. Yeah. And the, the problem with wind turbines, first of all, it's killing wildlife by the millions. Birds, Birds yeah. Birds don't, you yeah. know, especially, and, and many of them protected. There's a problem. I just came back from Scotland last week, and they have a huge number of wind turbines. And it's a country where wind energy is quite plentiful. But the problem is that the the Golden Eagle is about to become extinct because of the turbines. Yes. Uh, the same thing is true here on in the States, of course. And, and this move to put them off the East Coast, I mean, look at the number of whales that started dying. And, and the, the ship and plane stuff mm -hmm. is going to become legend. Yeah. But... While it produces electricity, what is the cost? And I'm not just talking about the appearance. The blades wear out, and they cannot be recycled. They have to be buried. Well, they're filling landfills like crazy. With those, with those wind think. turbine blades? Yes, sir. Yeah, I've seen those things traveling down the highway, and they are humongous. Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, and that's just it. They're building the windmills bigger and bigger because, of course, the longer the blade, the more energy you can produce. can't imagine trying it's to bury one of those things. Well, see, that's just it. Now, solar panels are terrible because while you can generate electricity, you're using extremely toxic chemicals and rare earths to make them. 
Yeah. And when they get when they get damaged, you know, when the hail puts a hole through one, um, it costs far more to reprocess them and and recycle them than the energy you get out of them would ever justify. So people aren't realizing that it ain't free, and sun energy is all fine and good. Wind energy sounds all fine and good, but the costs associated with it far outweigh the benefits. Right, yeah. We need nuclear. Um, frankly, it's quite clean and easy to work with and produces a lot of benefits. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to continue to have gas and diesel uh, we need to continue fossil fuels while we are continuing to develop other things. I mean, obviously, fusion energy, that, you yeah. know, hydrogen, so uh, is a great goal, and we're going to get there. Right. But until we get there, we need cheap energy to get there. Instead, they make energy so expensive, we might never get there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. So I write about things, and, and this particular issue you mentioned, I'm writing about the the hazards of the uh, lithium-ion electric batteries that are being used in these, well, skateboards and bicycles and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm in favor of the hybrid electric, where I have one. You know, I've got a gasoline, four-cylinder gasoline engine and a 150-horsepower electric motor a 660-volt battery under my seat, but I'm still in favor of it because I make my own electricity. Mm-hmm. And I added 30% to my gas mileage. I don't hook up to anything. There's no plug-in. Right. But I'm not taking energy off the grid. Yeah. But 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 that battery is a nickel-based battery. It's nickel hydride. Yeah, it, it seems to me that, that the hybrid... safe battery. It's a what based battery. Well, the nickel hydrate batteries are safe. Okay. Relative, relatively speaking. And I said relatively speaking. Right. But that's the hybrid. That's where you're you're again got a gasoline engine making your own electricity and you're storing it, and it's really very good. It seems to the me problem like problem is the all electric vehicles don't do that. Yeah, that's what that's the trouble I have with the whole thing is it seems to me the hybrid is the logical step transition so to speak and we're trying to make the jump straight from all fuel to all electric and but the electricity has to be generated right yeah batteries take rare earth metals yeah when we have excellent hybrid type technology Mm -hmm. right now we are not to be going to all electric right we ought to be going to continuing the fossil fuels that we have inexpensive energy to develop the technologies that will allow us to go to hydrogen, right. will allow us to generate electricity for the grid based on fusion. Uh, again, <laughs> we're doing all this to our detriment but allowing communist countries to pollute like crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah, the Chinese in particular, yeah. Well, and I mentioned the lithium-ion batteries. I mean, you've got lithium. Well, think of it for a second. How come you can't put a lithium-ion battery that's in a suitcase on a, on a plane? Because they catch fire. Yeah. And I have a story here about a, a 
bicycle shop in New York where the whole thing went up and simply because of the batteries catch on fire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And of course, my long article, or what I call the Bible Lab, uh, which is, you know, Bible and science, uh, I'm talking about natural selection right now and why why natural selection doesn't promote evolution, it proves creation. Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of stuff we do. Okay. Well, that's great. We, we also do radio and TV. We also do radio and TV. You know, for instance, this afternoon you're on East. You're on Central Time. Excuse we're on Central. We're barely on Central Time. You go about yeah, ten I'm miles down the road. We're on Eastern. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was going to say at seventy four to five your time. I'll be doing an hour long TV Q and A program on Revelation TV out of England. Well, that's be four to five this afternoon in your time zone. Yeah. Oh, Revelation so, TV out of England. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, so we do live presentations. We do obviously radio and TV. Yeah. We have print literature. We've got a bookstore full of books for all ages on creation. Yeah, I like to say we're a full service shop. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's great. Well, it's always a pleasure to have you on, and we uh, really enjoy that and uh, the education and just the uh, the back and forth, and then also to uh, you know just to that that knowledge that. Uh, uh, you know the science community doesn't have to be uh, dominated by by heathens, basically. <laughs> you know, so. You've got to remember that science is neutral. Yeah, science doesn't say anything. Right. It's scientists who believe in evolution and scientists who believe in creation. Right. And which one's right? Exactly. Well, I can prove to you the creations are right, hands down. Right. Absolutely. Well, Dr. McMurtry, yeah, it's always a pleasure. We have so much fun, and uh, thank you so much for calling in. And uh, once again, that's Creation Worldview Ministries with Dr. Grady McMurtry. And uh, check it out. Creation Worldview. Creation Worldview, V-I-E-W.org. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Uh All right. That's all the time we have for today. As always, it's a pleasure, and uh, look forward to tomorrow's broadcast uh, tune back in 7 a.m. and we'll be back tomorrow. Mm-hmm.